Hello and welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. How are you? Uh, we are well. My daughter goes back to school this week, which will be uh, exciting. Just recording this in Cheltenham in my spare room, actually, after uh, putting her to bed, which seems to have gone uh, okay so far that she's still wide awake. Um, big thank you to the sponsors as ever, Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Follow Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham, on all the social media, Serene AV is a kind of brother-sister company that works kind of the same team, really, but as a different purpose. It's not just selling Bang & Olufsen equipment. They will deck out your home with whatever audio and entertainment equipment you so desire, whatever fits um, your budget, your design, your dreams. Uh, sounds very corny, but they're a good team under Jason Briggs to get in touch with them. Thank you to Cytoplan for continued support of the podcast, food-based supplements, and as I've said in the past, we uh, at the moment give my daughter kids Immunovite as we build up to go back to school, regardless of the situation regarding COVID, which seems to relatively few infections in this part of the world in the west of England currently, thankfully. Uh, but there's other bugs. Autumn is coming, winter beyond that. And obviously the kids have pretty much been isolated for six months, albeit seeing friends and, and family. But putting 30 children in a class, again, I guess there'll be lots of swirling around. So we give her kids Immunovite from Cytoplan. I-double-M-U-N-O-V-Y-T-E, uh, just to uh, boost immune systems. And uh, it's, again, food-based, so it's digested. That's the science uh, propagated by my father and more medical people, scientists. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, a big fan of Immunovite and kids Immunovite. So cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. 10% off if you enter the discount code DRAPER10. Right, apologies to you. This podcast should have come out last week. I basically recorded it with some new microphones and made a massive file because I'm technically illiterate. Uh, I used to know audio editing, but I haven't done it for a long time, working predominantly as a television presenter now and not doing too much technical stuff. But I managed to figure out how to uh, downsize this file of me speaking to my childhood friend, a big football fan, grown up, playing football together, watching football, Dan Kidd. Um, we're going to do some uh, potentially ones with my best one of my best mates lives just up the road in Worcester. We're going to do a few more um, kind of film favorite films of the '90s, nostalgic stuff. And this was on that theme actually. It was him discussing and me discussing a post on Twitter about footballers in the mind's eye, which I've done here before. But rather than me just reading out the answers from people on Twitter, uh, which is at Ed Draper eighty one posted on the 24th of August uh, we kind of go through the answers and, and he discusses the players because a lot of people who follow me on social media comparable age in their 30s or so 20s 30s and often even if you're younger than that it's always the sort of the figures of yesteryear that have that sort of rose tinted uh, hue around them don't they? that we, we have reverence for them and perhaps that the contemporary players don't always make those ideas but the footballers in the mind's eye is basically a scenario I play out and you have to just say who comes to the mind First of all, and this was uh, after playing tennis last week, uh, we played on a friend of ours who's uh, got us into a local school actually to play on the courts while no one's there, which was good. And then we went for a beer in a park in Cheltenham, Imperial Gardens, which is just off the promenade in the centre of Cheltenham, if you know it. And there's a bar there. It's quite nice, sat on the grass and very relaxing and recorded a chat. So hopefully you like this. If you do, I'd love it if you could let me know. You can email me, ed at eddraper.co.uk, or you can uh, tweet me or Instagram me, ed, ed draper 81 on Twitter, ed underscore draper 81 on Instagram. So here's the chat in the part with my mate Dan Kidd or Pewy Wannabega, who works in higher education, but big Everton FC fan. Hope you enjoy. So here we are, Imperial Gardens in Cheltenham, <laughs> looking at the flowers. 
Danny Kidd, Pewee Wannabega, um, with me, fresh from a... Well, I can't believe you're so fresh looking after our tennis match, <laughs> drinking your pint there and <laughs> your change of clothes. Well, I literally ran about once, I think. <laughs> and I think there was more than a metre to my right or left, I left the ball go. It's quite scary, we haven't played for about a month and we deteriorated to where we were at the start of the summer. Well, when lockdown relaxed so we could actually play tennis. It's a professional sport. <laughs> what it does to you, mate, you have to, you have to be on it all the time. We lost the eye of the tiger. It's been good though, hasn't it? It's got us through lockdown, playing a bit, getting out there. Yeah, oh, like in deep lockdown, because I think, when did we start playing again? Was it April? May, was it? May, maybe, yeah. yeah. I think you're allowed to play. Tennis was one of the first sports you could play, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the, like, the list. <laughs> it was definitely after after permission was given. But yeah, yeah. We, without that, I think uh, I think it would have been a tough old few months. I think golf nice was the first one. But I don't play, you play golf, I don't play golf. Yeah, I got out, I think, the first week of golf and played. But even then, it was weird. Like, they had... So you weren't allowed to touch the flag. In fact, you're still not, I don't think. Yeah. And one of the courses we played had lights. They filled the hole in. Yeah. So you Why? couldn't even... Put, I, I have no idea. It's still like, presumably, because they didn't want you going anywhere near the flag. So it was just like... Put your would, hands in the hole to pick up the ball. Yeah, so they put like a sort of plastic cylinder around the hole. So you just had to hit the ball to that. So it's <laughs> completely destroyed the point wow. um, of playing golf. Yeah, it's obviously it got us back out there. Got us moving. It's quite interesting as a group of lads now just playing catch in the park actually. Um, but we're talking about, uh, we're going to talk about films, we're going to talk about 90s films. You said the other day something about me uh, just watching Braveheart and what was it? Basketball Diaries. <laughs> yeah. Leonardo the, two, the two videos that you had, yeah, Braveheart, Basketball Diaries, Aqua on CD. <laughs> And that was basically it for yeah. about five years. I did like Oasis, but yeah, I did buy Barbie Girl, the Aqua song, to be fair. <laughs> the height of the uh, the period. But I wanted to um, talk to you as well, because you're obviously the same year as me at school and similar football references. You're an Everton fan. Um, but the football is in the mind's eye, which I've done a couple on here on my own. But the latest one I put on Twitter, which was on Twitter on the 24th of August 2020, if you want to look back at my feed, Ed Draper 81, football is in the mind's eye. A winger stands a chipped cross up to the far post. Striker runs in and jumps over defender to head ball, uh, ball down and into the goal. Who do you see? And I put that I see Keith Gillespie crossing to Alan Shearer for NUFC, Newcastle United Football Club. Um, <laughs> what do you make of that? Because the first person there, James, who's a boxing writer, has put Solano to Duncan Ferguson for NUFC. But big dunks were your Everton heroes, isn't he? He's, he's come up quite a bit. Well, always being on the end of it, I guess that makes sense. Why, why Keith Gillespie to Shearer though? Just so, well, I was thinking of wingers that play for Newcastle because I remember Shearer did that quite a lot. He'd so rise the, above a fullback or a, even a goalkeeper, like a running jump. He was quite good at doing a running jump from a like kind of so cross or steep trajectory coming down. But is it? And and I've I've followed your footballers in the mind's eye with disgust with disgust <laughs> as they become more and more obscure as you're looking for more and more scenarios yeah um, but are you looking for the best combination or are you looking just for the combination that jumps into your head yeah it's like it's basically the idea of football is in the mind's eye is you sort of describe something without nouns or names and then hopefully people immediately see a just player just triggers a response yeah so like if it's uh, you know a lot of people from a, a sort of low through ball a lot of people would immediately say Teddy Sheringham or David Silver or you know someone scheming 
and often often Dennis Bergkamp like we were saying earlier comes up for loads loads of people sort of see him anything creative he comes up loads from I guess people of our generation yeah yeah which which is fair enough Bergkamp is, I said earlier Bergkamp's aged well I mean he was always brilliant but yeah. I think as time goes on increasingly people sort of reflect on on we his don't remember talent. the bad games do we no exactly you just you, you're just watching the highlight reel off YouTube and everyone looks great. I remember Euro 96 when Beckham didn't get picked for England and you were like saying you were still like anti-Beckham at that point and the United players so they were too young to do anything. <laughs> I hated They Man just United. won the double. I actually hated Man United more than Liverpool up really? until I was about 18, I think, 19. Even as an Everton fan? Well, because yeah, because Liverpool, well, but you've got Liverpool fans. Yeah, like half, half my family are red so it's kind of, and that's still the case now. So actually I, I went through sort of not minding Liverpool to absolutely hating them to now actually not minding them. So like, because if Liverpool win the league, like I couldn't think about my brother or my mum and I think about my grandparents and think actually, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Um, but I hated Man United through the 90s. Well, I remember being at your house, remember when um, United came back to beat Liverpool in the cup and it was Solskjaer scored the winning goal. Yeah. 2-1 and I jumped up to celebrate in <laughs> your whole family because you're from Liverpool like half Everton half Liverpool just like looking at me in utter like rage <laughs> which is always because my mum uh, and there's going to be some bad language now but my mum who who actually if you spoke to you would have no inclination that she's from Liverpool because no, she's got quite a sort of you soft know, accent yeah but the um, accent was softer back in the sort of 60s uh, yeah but then um, well I mean yeah but anyway regardless of the Beatles as soon as as soon as football if my mum ever watches football all of a sudden like that sort of a, a thick Scouse accent comes out and it's like break <laughs> his fucking legs like she's like sort of straight in and too much into it um so yeah, but no, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have picked Beckham in '96, '98, 2000, 2002, 2004. Six. He wasn't ready. <laughs> he wasn't ready till he went to Paris Saint Germain. Exactly. Yeah. Then he had a chance. He finally matured. Um, but I so in response to the scenario. So Duncan, but the thing is, Duncan Ferguson's interesting because even at Everton, you remember him scoring goals from corners. But that's what I'd say. So like, if I feel if I thought about Ferguson, I'd think about Hinchcliffe corner. Yeah. Ferguson the heading. But who from an open play cross like stood up to the far post? Who would be Tony Hibbert, <laughs> legendary right yeah, back? Gets down, gets down the wing. He was like the last of the kind of like agricultural kind of fullbacks, wasn't he? Sort of like this whole modern Where, age defending of, like, first and then yeah. whatever you do. Like because Hibbert would get to that the final third, put a cross in, and yeah. even if it was terrible, would then jog back, job done. <laughs> yeah. Right? There wasn't any of this. Well, yeah, fullbacks used to be that if they did get up back, it was just, if they did get up to the front to help, it'd just be like put a ball in, whatever it was. Yeah, I feel like Ashley Cole kind of changed that position, maybe, but yeah, um, yeah, possibly, yeah, and Carlos uh, and people like that. Yeah, yeah, and Cafu and I guess Maldini, but Maldini was defend defend first. Yeah. Um, so who would cross in? Uh, Kanchelskis, someone's put on here, I think. Yeah, I guess so. Can do that. Lorenzo's put actually took an Everton Lorenzo a chance in a life is I can't read his whole Twitter it's got a load of ellipses and stuff it goes out but Lorenzo a chance in life is a uh, says anyone to Tim Cahill when he went for a header he made sure it was his because Cahill was amazing the fact that he was only like what 5'10 or something and he used to win loads yeah, of his he was good in the air he had a leap on him but he also he was positionally he was very good as well Cahill yeah. he, almost that sort of Paul Scholes type thing just arriving late and who across the Cahill would be like Leighton Baines maybe or something, would it? Or Pinar. Or Pinar or Arteta on the right. Uh, yeah. when he when he had a stint down the right for us. I yeah. guess I guess that would make sense. I can't remember I can't remember too many Tim 
Tim Cahill headed goals, to be honest with you. From, I remember from near post headers from corners, maybe, things like that. He'd rise quite well high up. Uh, Tris Dixon says, Anderton to Sheringham. Classic 90s, Tottenham. Reference that one, isn't it? Well, I guess England as well. You could, have that as, you could play that in England. Yeah. Um, that famous five. It was, uh, do you remember that one? Oh, the, the, where they played the diamond, didn't they? Yeah, that Barnby, Klinsman. Dumitrescu was it on the left? Is yeah. That right? And then uh, uh, Anderton when Anson he was fit. And Sheringham. Yeah. Which is interesting. I was watching something, it might have been on Sky, about Sheringham. Yeah. And he was talking about sort of Alan Sugar, basically. He was injured for like a stint of a season. Alan Sugar basically said that he thought Sheringham just didn't want to play. Um, <laughs> when he was Tottenham chairman owner kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of turned his head, I guess. That was amazing when Klinsman came to Tottenham, wasn't it? And Dumitrescu and people like that. It was like a kind of Ramon Vega. It was like a revolution of, of overseas players when we were kids that was sort of unprecedented. But they tried to sign... or They, they were looking at Maradona, weren't they, Tottenham, when they were signed they? Around 94. Klinsman, yeah. So, so they, they were looking at him as an option. After his we, crazed eyes, sort of like <laughs> yeah. disgraced drugs at the USA his, 94. On his come down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so apparently they, they sort of talked about that and then went with Klinsman. It's funny actually because Andy Taylor put on here, not sure who plays it in, but big dunk on the end of it. So it's like people can't actually picture who he potentially would cross it into Everton. Because I think that in the early, mid-90s, who you, you had Kinchelski, Limpar was there, wasn't he, for a period as well? Uh, Limpar was there, but... He used to play Arsenal before that. Yeah, and Limpar was... I mean, I just I remember Limpar from 93, 94. Yeah. Like, you know, Particularly that Wimbledon game. When was Pat Nevin? When did Pat Nevin leave Everton? Was he too uh, early? Yeah, yeah, he was too early. He was sort of early on in the nineties. Yeah. Um, Danny Cadamatri did he cross with Ferguson ever? To the egg. <laughs> but the, that's the, that's the thing with Ferguson, and I, I guess this is true of football. Is so, and the footballers in a mind's eye is that actually Ferguson only ever scored like eleven goals a season. <laughs> <laughs> so they were kind of few and far between. Liverpool and Man U, didn't he? He, he, he would turn up for, for those big games, which which everyone like kind of almost discuss that as a virtue and attribute of his it's like the most frustrating thing about him yeah and he had like he did have injury obviously he's quite a good left foot as well didn't he I remember oh, he was good on the ground yeah he was better with his feet than people ever gave him credit for um, one of those famous like non-football anecdotes was, uh, was Ferguson like, people breaking into his house and he like yeah. ducked up two burglars well, like the worst house to break into I think he broke his I think the first burglar he broke his hand <laughs> Man. like on the burglar and we, like we always whenever me and Chris talk who's never Everton fan whenever we talk about like the the sight the the vision of the burglar looking at the family photos and seeing a photo of Duncan Ferguson on the mantle, yeah. you'd be like, oh, God, must have known what have think? I done? Because you usually think those, those things yeah, in North West yeah, targeted yeah. against yeah. the footballers. It's quite a sad thing that they get burgled a lot up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, targeted. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but what, he came back as manager as well, didn't he, Ferguson? It seemed to go quite well. Yeah. But it was, it was a lot of gusto, a lot of passion. I, I don't know, and, and just maybe wearing a shirt in the freezing like yeah. snow and rain, and, and and possibly over time he would, you know, if he's given the chance, given the time, he'd show something a bit more tactically, you know. But and and actually, to be fair, he was fairly tactically astute. He played a four-four-two against Chelsea his first game. Bring back a classic nineties formation. Well, yeah, and but it was also about energy, and it was about there's a sort of Everton way of playing, which is a some you know high intensity, Wingers. you know, move the ball quickly. Um, which sometimes people like 
like that was the case under Moyes, and some people often mistook that for some. So who was the front two? Charlison and, and um, Calvert Lewin. Uh, yes, I think it. I think he did. But that's play weird, isn't it? Because someone like Richarlison's almost like the modern striker. He's not quite a striker. He's almost like a wide player kind but of striker. Everton, from Ferguson to Ancelotti, in that back half of the season, played two up top with mm. Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, and that's where Calvert-Lewin started to score goals and started to look a more complete player because he needs something to play off, really. Or he, sorry, someone's going to play off him. Um, yeah, I think as a lone striker, just not, I'm not convinced Calvert-Lewin could do it. He's good at linking play, but I think it's also quite a weird role, that, isn't it, in modern football, if you play a central striker and you've got wide players off you, because they're not quite... I mean, Firmino does it really well at Liverpool, but he drops quite deep, and then you have Mane and Salah. But it's quite... You have to be very all-rounder, lots of skill, lots of vision, and strength as well. I can't really think of five strikers anymore, in yeah. the traditional sense. Harry so like, Kane. You can think of, like, Kane, I guess, Aguero, Vardy, Haaland... Um, Mason Greenwood might be, but then he still plays quite wide. They're playing my left, don't they? Yeah, but all right. Yeah. So it's a position that's sort of gone out the game, but and winger's gone out with it, hasn't it? Because it's like hybrid of winger striker. Yeah, but I suppose yeah. If I was to think about nineties, I, I suppose you'd struggle to think much beyond Shearer. I kind of agree. I'd probably think more Solano or someone like that to Shearer. It's quite aggressive, though, Shearer, wasn't he? Jumping up. And, you know, winning things like kind of even though it was, it was like five eleven, but he'd always win headers against bigger players and defenders. Just had that tenacity about. But you it. wonder how many he would win in the modern era with VAR and things like that. How many goals would you know <laughs> get chalked off? What for elbows? Yeah, I mean, why sure. do defenders don't like to? They're not as aggressive anymore. It doesn't seem like. That's why Van Dijk's so rare in the sense he wins like so many headers. Mm. No, it's true. That sort of commanding presence. Damon. Uh, Masood says someone we mentioned but not in the uh, Everton context Andre Kinchelskis to Eric Cantona every time Ed which is strange isn't it because Cantona was re- sorry uh, Kinchelskis was replaced in 95 when he went to Everton by Beckham at United coming through so you kind of think you almost put Cantona on Beckham but they put Kinchelskis with it but he did have that like dinked cross Kinchelskis didn't he to sort of right, go down the right and then he'd dig his foot under it he was so quick as well wasn't he yeah I mean he was at the time, I was pretty devastated. He left United, actually. I was 13, Wait, 14. Was, was that because of Beckham coming through? I think partly he's talked to... Didn't Kinchelski say in retrospect his agent had maybe badly advised him as well about what he demanded from the club and things? I mean, it's an odd one. Because I guess United at the time had, what, Beckham, Sharp... Giggs. Giggs. Yeah. McClare. Did McClare play down the right, or was he no, gone by... No, centre mid, really. Beckham, yeah. McClare was a striker initially in the late 80s, then he became a centre mid player oh, with, yeah. with Roy Keane. And then... Um, I'm sorry, with Paul Ince, and then Roy Keane sort of superseded McClare in centre mid. And then, in, then Ince left, but Ince left in '95 with uh, with Kinchelskis, with Mark Hughes as well. Went in January for Andy Cole, not direct, not a swap deal, but Hughes went to Chelsea, and Cole came in from Newcastle. So it was a huge summer that year. And then that was when Alan Hansen said, "You'll never win anything with kids," didn't he? The but that was quotes. that was one of the sort of great things, I guess, about Ferguson is that he would. He, he would at the right time just wholesale sort of move players on yeah. so like if you think and, and like the team was always bigger than individuals isn't it but if you think about people like Stam and Van Nistelrooy who left before their time Ferguson partly probably well, he regretted Stam I think was the one that he yeah. said yeah because Stam went to Lazio didn't he and, and played well I think he played Milan well. well yeah, yeah. And, uh, but he was he was good at seeing, you know, the writing on the wall or seeing whatever his vision was for the future. I mean, arguably when Beckham left in 2003, maybe 
didn't handle that right because Beckham's 28 Beckham ended up playing for another 10 years and, and he went to the stage for a long time but he had those cameos at AC Milan and Paris Saint-Germain and played well at Real Madrid as well. When did he leave? Sorry, 2003. When he was 28, three. left United for 28 did, million. And when did Ronaldo join? Same year, I think it was the same year he joined Ronaldo's, but he was obviously 17, 18, for winger. But I suppose Beckham would have slotted into centre mid if he'd stayed, hypothetically. Because yeah. you couldn't play, that was the thing with Beckham, you couldn't, I don't mean in the, in the later years, you couldn't play him down he played, he played an anchoring, he played in that Champions League game, his last game ever, I think, for PSG. Knockout stages, and he played nearly, like, he hadn't played for three months or something with the MLS, and he ended up playing, I think, 70, 80 minutes. He was naturally incredibly fit. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, he, yeah. He's gone forever, couldn't he? I mean, that Greece game. That, yeah. If you think about that, I mean, he literally just, we watched that at your parents' house, didn't we? And he literally ran. Yeah. Yeah. For 90 minutes and on stop. Yeah, Sco- scored a great free kick. Scored the free kick at the end. I think he assisted the. Yeah, and apparently Ferguson was unhappy about how much energy he'd expended in that game. He was at Old Trafford. Mm. Um, but he was, yeah, he was a relentless character. But that was, as a sort of non United fan, indeed someone who hated United, that was always the perception around England is that the United players didn't particularly care mm. or certainly were sort of persuaded by the United management and coaching staff not to necessarily take it as seriously as as you might hope, which is, you know, a complete misconception, but at the time it felt like that. Yeah. Um, well, Giggs didn't play all the Wales games and things like that. It was a big yeah. bigger problem, I suppose, um, or, or more contentious. Uh, Nye D puts, um, this is quite a blast from the past, Tony Daly to wait. There's no one in the box. He was just too damn fast. Do you remember Tony Daly yeah. at Aston Villa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what happened to Tony Daly? It was weird because he was like, just before the Premier League, he was quite big because David Platt was playing at Villa as well. And then it seemed like, I don't remember him being a big player in the Premier League at all, in the sort of 92, 93 onwards. No. And Villa had some, they had a lot of sort of players like that. Yeah. Quite skillful players as well. Always think of Julian, like Atkinson. Julian Joachim and people like that yeah, were in the yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Daley and Atkinson had a great yeah, year, didn't he? Yeah. Dean Saunders was there, obviously playing well for a period. That's what they had like Sean Teal in defence and a whole kind of array. Steve Staunton at left back. Yeah, Paul McGrath was Liverpool, Liverpool back, yeah. yeah, Paul McGrath was great the first year of the Prem, wasn't he? 92 93. Didn't even. Villa nearly won the league from United, and it was. Uh, he didn't train because his knees were shot. And why, why did he leave United? I think what well, sort of the legend is that it was because of a sort of overhaul from Fergie, and he was part of a sort of right, okay. old school drinking culture and stuff. <laughs> Which is funny because looking back, because we thought that football was getting quite advanced in the 90s, but actually you hear like stories now that they were. Still chop, stopping for fish and chips on the way home from games and ca- cases of beer and stuff and the bus on the way back. Yeah, but the, yeah, and I guess, you know, so, yeah, United had Bruce and Pallister, didn't they? Yeah. On the books. Yeah, Bruce came from New, uh, Norwich and then Pallister was a big signer from Middlesbrough, actually. 2.3 million, I think. Because Ferguson took so long to build that, not in real terms, but in like relative terms of football now. Came in '86. They won the league in '93. It's a big. Mm. You can't imagine anyone having that time. Like people, the pressure on Solskjaer now by comparison. Um, but then at some point you do need to stick and rather than twist, don't you? I guess Everton, Everton have been there for years. Like ha- since Moyes left in what, 2013. It's constantly twisting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the, they have to deal with a whole new squad every time. And yeah, 
And it, yeah, absolutely. And so it's about a giving per someone time, but giving the right person time. But it's also about, as we were saying earlier, it's about signing the right players and being able to sign the right players. Yeah. Which Everton for the last X number of years haven't signed the right players. As simple as that. And and it's it's improving yourself, finding a player that's going to improve your squad, but actually is affordable and is willing to come to you. Yeah. And Which like, is why I think the, the new German managers, they, you know, this sort of common theme is that they're more coaches than managers. So you have the idea to come and improve players like Jurgen yeah. Klopp and um, kind of obviously managers Bayern Munich who's come in recently, and then just the sort of sense of, I guess Tuchel at, at PSG as well. Um, it's a sense of like actually you enhance the players you don't sign players because actually it's really complicated that if you sign players then you don't stay around and then someone else has to rebuild a squad that whole idea of a kind of manager that just comes in and, and, uh, and buys new players well yeah I mean Klopp's a good example like every single player at Liverpool has improved yeah under Klopp pretty much yeah um, and they I mean they got Amazingly, sort of fortunate in the sense that Barcelona bid what 150 million for Felipe Coutinho, but at a time invested that in Allison and Van yeah, Dijk. and yeah, because there are there are a couple of moments in history I think where Liverpool have been sort of financially very much on the edge. Mm. Um, but he, because and I still maintain this, Liverpool are clearly a great team, but I'm not having their midfield like yeah. in in the main. Um, and but it's amazing what. A couple of like Allison Van Dyke, as you say, like and Liverpool doing that sort of Everton thing that they do now, the thing that City did before they, they yeah. started to sign top caliber players. You're signing kind of much of a muchness it's for like too much three, money. Three. I think the midfield, the three of like one Alden Henderson and whoever else is designed just to sort of set up yeah. the front three. So it's a kind of thankless start, industrious start. But it's all, it's yeah, it's set up to get to, to get the sort of best output, best outcome. Yeah. Um, here's one, here's one from, uh, from an Everton player, actually, a recent Everton player, went on to Burnley, but this is from his Tottenham days, Aaron Lennon crossing Cross. for Peter Crouch. <laughs> Lennon was rapid, though, wasn't he, to be fair? <laughs> well, yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, in the... In a world of infinite possibility... Oh, he, did like a stat, he did like a dinked cross, though. If he did cross, it was like a chipped one, so yeah. far post. But was, was Crouch particularly good in the air? That, that sounds ridiculous, I know, because... He was good they, at flicks, but I know what you mean. He didn't win and score that many power headers. feel, yeah, as though he's sort of dominating in that sense, other than his sort of physical attributes of being very tall. Yeah, the perception was probably wrong of him in the sense he was actually really good on the floor again, a bit like Ferguson. Obviously, Ferguson was good in the air, he was aggressive, but I don't think Crouch was massively aggressive, but he had great touch and kind of feel. Um, this is a strange one, actually, from Rob Edwards. Not strange... Uh, for any reason for people who probably know it's very, very uh, familiar and evokes good memories but I don't really remember Brian Marwood uh, but I'm guessing this is Arsenal this is 87-88 Brian Marwood to uh, Alan Smith I remember Alan Smith playing for Arsenal up front of course a bit for England came on for Lineker in the 92 European Championships but it's interesting like age of like when you become aware of things or when you remember things like that was a bit probably early for me I was like six at that time well so I remember Alan Smith and his in his later days and it's a weird thing that I, I almost like whenever I think about him I always used to think as a kid that he would score every time he would come on he was like almost like that 
unless I'm misremembering Alan Smith as a player, but he was almost not, like super sub. You're not thinking of Alan Smith, Lee's a man you, you're thinking of Arsenal. No, Alan Smith. God. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, um, no, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking of Alan Smith, yeah. but I'm, I, I feel sure he was kind of like almost the first to sort of have that super sub like yeah. tag to him. But I might be misremembering him, but that's what I feel like when you think There's of like perceptions around striker, players. Like yeah, in the, in the same way as a kid, or as a kid, as a as a teenager, yeah. I always used to think with Schmeichel, like my perception was that he was unbeatable. Yeah. Um, and I still think about, I still think that now, but it's just purely it's great on, on the basis. one-on-ones as well, wasn't yeah, it? Like games like the Newcastle yeah. game in 96, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of sticks in your mind. Just spread himself, wouldn't he? Strong hands. Yeah. Daniel Clifford says Bob Taylor. Um, guess for the, the header, uh, Colm says crossing. Bob Taylor. Alan. Wait, 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 wait. Bob Taylor. <laughs> I don't think Bob Taylor. Is it West Brom? Or yeah, Bolton? Rings a bell, yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. Yeah. Christ. So I think, Sounds like you should be on the building site. <laughs> Colm says, whose Twitter handle is at Town Colm, C O L M, says uh, Alan Tomo 8, so I think it's Alan Thompson, crossing for Henrik Larsson to head in. Um, so that's Celtic. So yes. Alan Thompson, who was Bolton, wasn't Bolton, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had, a, he had a flirt with the England squad, didn't he? Or yeah. team. Yeah. And last, I mean, Larsson was a hell of a player. Yeah. He really was. He, and he was one of those where, like, Premier League fans, or in particular the English, would then just think that he was, <laughs> you know, playing in a farmer's league. And but then actually, like, but he but that was, was weird it was because Larson then went to Barcelona and then came to that cameo at Man U in 2007. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, really, yeah. really good. I mean, he was just quality through and through, wasn't he? There was a time when Scotland was actually paying bigger transfer fees, like when we were in the 90s when we were kids. Well, Celtic Premier League. going at it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, like Rod Wallace went up there for big money. Um, Gazza obviously played at Rangers in the 90s. Mm. Um, yeah, Larson was class, had a horrible leg break when he sort of was just running and then hit the turf. Steve at London Taxi Boss says Nevin and Dixon, which I guess is Chelsea, Pat Nevin and Kerry Dixon, but then yeah. Nevin went, obviously, Everton, Everton player as well. Your illustrious 80s. Yeah, well, 90s. Do you, do you remember Everton winning the title in not 85, no. but 87? <clears throat> no. Um, my first memory of Everton is Beardsley mm. um, which must have been what 1991 I can't remember so after he'd been at Liverpool he went to Everton didn't he yeah so it's sort of I must have been 10 11 something like that and that's my earliest memory and yeah. then and then latterly then after that sorry Beardsley Kevin Sheedy was great wasn't he left she, yeah Sheedy was brilliant so you kind of then you, you then re-watch the videos and you know my, yeah. my dad's a, a blue so you, like you hear about I mean my dad grew up on like Ball and Harvey and Kendall like you Joe know Royal. yeah like just you know proper proper players proper teams um, remember Graham Sharp the young kid striker for Everton yeah 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 um, yeah so uh, but no I can't I, I can't remember much beyond that but but that was my first earliest memory as Beardsley, and and yeah. then I remember watching beer group. My first Everton game at Goodison. Uh, must I can't. I must have been about twelve, thirteen. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And I think Beagre, Beagre like scored, and Beagre used to do that. Yeah, he used to do that like somersault celebration. Yeah. Well, he was like quite two footed as well. Could he hit the ball with both feet? Couldn't he left? Yeah, and the old Park End was up then, so I can't work my years out. But anyway, yeah. But no. Erica Band says, no competition on this one, Ed. This is a local band called Erica in Gloucestershire, musical band that is. Has to be ball crossed by Pilkington. That's Anthony Pilkington, I believe plays for Wigan at the moment, into the box and buried by Grant Holt in front of the cop. 
and leaving uh, Jamie Carragher, Glenn Johnson and Pepe Reina in a crumpled heap on the floor. Grant Holt is in Norwich. Norwich Grant City, Holt. yeah. Yeah, so this wasn't that long ago, I guess, in the last 10 years. He was, Grant Holt was another one in that weird England phase that I'm sure he got sort Maybe of got mentioned called up in dispatches yeah. or called up. Well, we saw like people like Michael Ricketts. He's also older than he thought he was. It was like, Leon, like Everton, Leon Osman, when Roy Hodgson called him up. He <laughs> yeah, said he was like player. 22 or he 23. Was 33 or 32. Leon Osman, though, which is again, like, it's a sign of the, what happens in football. At the time, I used to hate Leon Osman. Because really? he, he just lacked pace, he was just like everything just felt weak about <laughs> him. But then on reflection, Solid. you realise actually he was a really good player. Yeah. Like, technically, he was a great player. Um, not a great player, but a really good player. But consistent. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I, I guess he just didn't quite have that sort of turn of pace, which yeah. is a bit like Gomez now, to be honest with you. Yeah, Andre Gomez, yeah, well, had a bad injury, didn't he, Gomez? Gavin Myers says, hi, Ed, a blast from the past, Norwich duo, rule Fox to Chris oh, Sutton. Yeah. That's a classic one. Yeah, yeah. Because they kind of moved Sutton Norwich up that season from defender to striker, didn't they? And then, then yeah. he got a big money move to Blackbird off the back of it, which, became like one of the best strikers in the league. It's really strange. Which... And the old championship manager, one of the first championship managers I sort of got into, I think Sutton's position like was defender striker. Yeah. Which is such a weird thing. It's a bit like Dion Dublin, yeah. I guess. Paul, as well. Paul Warhurst was like that, wasn't he? As well. Yeah, he like was the proper sort of utility player, wasn't he? <laughs> central defenders just becoming central yeah, yeah. strikers. But yeah, that that Norwich team was was good. Uh, and Jeremy Goss. Jeremy Goss was my yeah, favourite Norwich favourite player at the time. Champions yeah, yeah, League. yeah. With volley, wasn't it? Yeah. Like a and real Mark Bowen screamer. Was in that team as well, wasn't he? Mm. Um, Kesbar84 says anybody to Ronaldo to be honest I guess it's Cristiano Ronaldo he's frightening at that I suppose he is like 2008 Champions League final for United as well he rose at the far post and headed against Chelsea from a West Brown cross he, uh, that's the thing about Ronaldo like, learning to head actually really impact developed his skills as a player because a lot of creative attacking players aren't that good in, in the air no no he's got I mean he's got the physical attributes hasn't he yeah he worked on that sort of spring he's got the core yeah, but yeah. He's, he's quite tall as well and quite aggressive um, Sid Harvey says Gordon Hill to Joe Jordan and Jordan took the goalkeeper net and post out as well that was kind of before our time in the late 70s Man U Gordon Hill and Joe Jordan kind of think of Joe Jordan more as a coach I guess from our era Alan Simonson to Quinney which I think is Sunderland uh, Giggs to Ronaldo maybe Tom Grills um, Ixie Ryan Giggs crossing up to the far post he was always criticised wasn't he when we were kids about his crossing but became a lot better and he ended up having great passing ability. I guess most wingers were in that sort of boat, weren't they, where their final product is what they, what you judge them on. Yeah. Um, and by their very nature, you're going you know, to have a lot of misses as well as hits. Joey Barton to Andy Carroll. See Andy <laughs> Carroll. <laughs> Joey Barton <laughs> the Newcastle. Joey Barton to Andy Carroll. <laughs> Darren Anderton for Teddy showing up at Spurs, another one from Richard Lewis. Yeah. Mark Williams says Lee Sharp crossing onto the head of Cantona, another 90s Man United. That was, I remember doing some, I think it was against Chelsea, they maybe did that once. Here's a good one from uh, John Bailey. Ginola to Les Ferdinand at Newcastle, or Stuart Ripley to Shearer at Blackburn. That's two good wingers and strikers. Yeah, yeah, Ripley. Ginola was amazing, wasn't he? He was like one of the best two-footed players. He was, but his, so his, whole, his international career was ended by Julier, wasn't it, effectively? Yeah, I think in the, so. Like, Similar to Cantona, like, that missed out. Fr- yeah, the sort of French had that doldrums, didn't they? But I'm sure Ginola misplaced the pass or something in a Euro qualifier or something yeah. when Julio was manager, and he basically blamed Ginola for being, you know, whatever. 
Yes. Um, yeah. I'm sure that he never played for France. For losing again. the ball or something, wasn't it? For yeah, crossing, yeah. crossing the ball. Yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. When they're attacking and not rather than conceding. Yeah. Giving the yeah, keep the time time wasting. Charlie Allen says Jermaine Pennant to Peter Crouch. Crouch is back. Jermaine Pennant's an interesting shout. He was kind of a player that didn't really is that in their Liverpool? realize. I guess or Stoke maybe as well. They played together at Stoke. They played at Stoke. Okay. Dan Morris says Gary Speed to Lee Chapman. That's like the early '90s. That was weird, wasn't it? Because Leeds won the title just before the Premier League started in '92, and that team of like Chapman, McAllister, Strachan, Gary Speed, David Batty, and and Eric and Lee Chapman. So Eric Cantona left Leeds. Yeah, because he couldn't get a game really. Yeah, but didn't he also? Wasn't he having an extra martial affair <laughs> with the, Lee Chapman? That was a rumor. I don't know if that was ever <laughs> right, substantial. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, um, <laughs> That was the thing, but he, yeah, it was like he came off the bench because I think Cantona scored four goals in the Charity Shield against Liverpool in, two, in '92 or something like that. And, and then, uh, but he wasn't always play, starting for Leeds. Then he became like the missing piece for. And United then, what is it like a million pounds? One point one or something. One point one. Yeah, like the end of '92. So then there's obviously won the league in '92, '93. Ultimately, with him inspiring them. Summerby to Quinn is the correct answer. So I think Nicky Summerby to Niall. Niall Quinn's a good shout actually for the header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. Be powerful. Summerby to Quinn would have been at City then, would it? Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Did they both play together? They might both play. Feel like that. Well, that's ringing a bell. Man City was definitely yeah. Here's one from Ben. Says Ashley Young to John Carew. Remember that Villa? Yeah, yeah. Big John Carew. He's Norwegian, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Scandinavian, definitely. Yeah. And Ashley, Ashley Young's had a great career. He's played for Inter Milan in the Champions League the other night. He's still he's going. Had, he's had a phenomenal career considering. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he's, again, consistent, isn't he? Like, he's not yeah, ripping he up is. trees. He's got a good free kick and yeah, yeah. industrious. Yeah. But then that Inter... Because I, wa- I didn't watch the Europa League final, but didn't they bring on, like, three or four ex-Premier League players? Had L- Lukaku up front, didn't they, and stuff? So it's yeah. uh, interesting. Um, Steve Highway to John Toshak. I guess you're... Liverpool family would probably like that one. Yep, I'm sure they would. But that's, again, that's sort of like stuff we just hear about as kids, isn't it? And it's weird as you, I remember Colin Murray, the uh, radio broadcaster, saying that you realise as you get older, it's just often about living longer, where you think your dad and everyone has great knowledge, but actually it's just the fact you remember more players because you've been around for longer. Well, I don't, I mean, Toshak played for Madrid, didn't he? Yeah, and he managed Madrid Madrid as well. Yeah, managed But yeah, so I I went through a phase of, you, you know, all the players. Yeah. Like for every team pretty much and some of that's because actually for example you play championship manager and it just sort of yeah. embeds that, that knowledge when you're but 13 though it's like you just knew everyone, everyone's starting 11 yeah, yeah. Like we were going whereas through... now I, I, can't, I can barely recall Everton starting 11 let alone anyone else's well, a few years ago I met up in, um, in London for some beers with some uni mates and we are talking about like QPR's team from like 93-94 not that any of us supported QPR but you can vaguely like <laughs> yeah. go to their team like Bardsley Darren Peacock you know, is that when they were still Les playing Ferdinand. on an artificial pitch it may have been, but it's like Les, a lot of but Les Ferdinand, Andrew Impey, Andy Sinton. There's all these people that you suddenly realise that you can still remember. Oh, I think that age when football was your life, like sort of when you're sort of early teens, 12, 13. Um, and also, like, it wasn't so much a squad game, was it? Like, everyone played the same team pretty much every week. And you really care about it. Like, yeah. You just like winning and losing matters so much. I remember, sort of, I remember the Everton Wimbledon game, 93, 94. Oh, last the last day of the season. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we queued up from sort of 11 a.m. and we were up in the uh, in the main stand, and I just I could have thrown up for 90 minutes. I just felt <laughs> so sick. And like, Barry Horn scored a goal from yeah, a screamer, and then Hans Sagers allegedly because this is your podcast. 
like taking a bung basically. And when you when you rewatch it, some of it looks a little bit incriminating. I'm sure it didn't didn't actually happen, but either way, like I I used to care so much, and then I mean now the only emotion I have towards Everton is hate. I just (laughs) I hate them. They don't bring me any joy. I think Ancelotti will do quite a good job at Everton. I feel like he's if he's given the time to build something, he can potentially. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, if Ancelotti can't get Everton right, no one will. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, some good, <laughs> good players. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, Holgate and Dinier. I think Yeri Mina, like, he was so good for Colombia. He should surely, you know, defend yeah. him. He's, he's probably the most prolific defender in the Premier League if he gets a lot of games. Being yeah, great maybe. Headers. I mean, I'd keep Holgate, I'd keep Dinier, I'd keep Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, and then yeah. the rest can Young Tom jump, Davis. jump in the bin. Like a no. young, like a young dang kid, no, like he you drives me nuts. Hair. He dri- well, he drives me nuts. But actually, I think he's been poorly managed. Um, but also, brave in the sense he wants the ball all the time. He does, yeah. I'll give him that. He, but he lacks, he lacks the pace in the same way Gomez does. And I, I don't think managers have been good for Tom Davis. But I still don't see him as a long-term solution. Yeah. Interesting how it plays out. It's funny he's mentioned about players and that like romance of that age, but it was different in the sense that footballers seemed a little bit closer to us. I know they were getting, starting to get big money through broadcasters like my employers at Sky, but it was still a bit more sort of uh, real world. Like Barry Horner scored that goal to keep Everton up. He became a PE teacher in Wales. I remember working with him a couple of times, and it's sort of like it was a different era, wasn't it? That it wasn't quite as removed as maybe it is now with a multi-millionaire status of pretty much every Premier League player. Yeah, and, and maybe it's not even just money though. Maybe, like. I think, like, if you think about sort of media profiles and how important they are, like, I ju- you just don't. I'm sure there are characters in the game, but you wouldn't know who those characters yeah. are in the way that you through the '90s. You, you kind of knew you had a sense of who you'd want to go out for a drink with, and probably because they were going out for drinks. So yeah, and then but something changed, and then you kind of like Michael Owen almost had to do the reverse, where he had to try, try and try artificially to... create yeah. a personality. Yeah, and, and if you if you read anything or hear anything about Michael Owen, you know, he, he clearly was a personality, but his media persona and profile was such that mm. you would you would think he was just Mr. Boring. Well, you used to drink his orange juice. It was kind of like that, that era of footballers that didn't drink. was at the end of the 90s, a slightly different period. Not that it was a good thing necessarily to drink, but yeah. certainly they were kind of like normal working class blokes before then with a little bit of money, and it suddenly changed into yeah, maybe yeah. this yeah. is a sort of like glitterati and... and by nature, you know, have to be. If you paid that much, you have to remove yourself from, I guess, regular circles of socialising and stuff. So it became yeah, yeah. A, a little bit different. But that's weird. It's like you felt you kind of connected with, even like Hans Sagers and his like his kind of weird ties and the colourful ties, didn't he, and stuff. And characters like Grobbler and people you sort of knew. But even then, even when the media was less, like you didn't have social media, you didn't have this. You can, you know, now you can follow people's Instagram accounts, and, but you don't actually feel as close maybe as you did sometimes then. <laughs> Yeah, through no, the it's true. Transparency of it, like Vinnie Jones and people like that. Yeah, no, that's that, that is true. I think, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's there's an age difference there, isn't it? You kind of grow. Although, oddly enough, just as I say that, even though I'm 40, I still think footballers are older than me. You know, Not 40, yeah, it's September. Um, well, 40, <laughs> 40 soon. Um, that's that is a weird thing when you start getting older than certainly in my job covering football. It's like when you become older than them, it's very very surreal because you grew up looking up to them as sort of like heroes of what you wanted to be isn't it so when they're actually younger than you it's it's a strange psychological trick and yeah and all of a sudden you realize you're 
you, you couldn't be a professional footballer now even <laughs> if dream's you, gone yeah even if even if some sort of divine intervention gave you the talent to be a professional footballer yeah you could no longer be that yeah i mean the tennis match we just played is a perfect example of that <laughs> two old dudes trying to chase a ball around you just lose your yeah ability to read and yeah. like everything slows down a little bit so it is weird that's come on i'm blaming lockdown for it but danny good to, we're going out of the beer shall we from the uh about time but thank you for uh taking part in the first footballers in the mind's eye slash chat and we'll, we'll do, talk more films ne- next time because we've got a lot to get through with Braveheart <laughs> yeah, two films. Basketball Diaries Sleepers <laughs> only Leonardo DiCaprio uh, yeah the Sleepers Brad yeah, Pitt I did Leonardo that. DiCaprio yeah, yeah, films yeah. from the, the mid 90s <laughs> yes. I look forward to it Titanic <laughs> <laughs> Lord help us yeah the, the, do you reckon the film by the way do you think films will come back because there's been this TV series Rush and you used to you studied film at university and stuff I didn't study film I studied sociology at university <laughs> well, you used to write I, mean, film. I did one module you used to on write film. film scripts though no I didn't I, I wrote the first the first line of about 450 <laughs> film scripts and then never never went beyond that but, um, but, but I, 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 like, I still like films I like sitting down with Carla and I my wife we like watching a film for 90 minutes or an hour two hours and then that's it but it's like series are such a long time commitment it seems particularly those are like depressing in nature it feels like such a huge life commitment I can't I can't watch sad films anymore so like, I, like once upon a time I'd like want some gritty and yeah I, I, I can't actually do that as you get older good comedy yeah um, but I but if you're asking me where for the medium of film which has existed for <laughs> over 100, 100 odd years uh, will continue I'm sure it will but leading like, we see like leading actors now in series don't we never saw that when we were kids so but only only because if you're a leading actor it gives you an opportunity to develop a character doesn't it yeah in a way that a 90 minute film does and TV's like channel 1 to channel 5 yeah. wasn't quite as exciting as Netflix but, and but there is there is still nothing to replace going to a cinema and experiencing and it is a collective experience yeah. I guess and, and I think there will always be a place for that and art are telling a story I think in 90 minutes absolutely, rather than yeah. 11 hours yeah. or whatever series is yeah absolutely good stuff enjoy it I'll speak to you soon for more tennis <laughs> Danny Kidd Wannabega thank you so there we have it, uh, my good friend Dan Kidd, uh, aka Pewee Wanabaker growing up. Hope you enjoyed that little nostalgic kind of foray down through 90s football, which was kind of something that was a big lingua franca growing up, just talking about football. Didn't want to go into school if your team lost. My team, Manchester United, thankfully didn't much, but we had a Blackburn Rovers fan at school who I tried to avoid on the days we did go in. Dan's a big Everton fan. Parents kind of split, both Liverpudlian, but... His mum, if I get this right, is a Liverpool fan and his father is an Everton fan, both from the city. And his oldest brother is also an Everton, no, is a Liverpool fan. And then his middle brother, brother just above him, is uh, an Everton fan, Tom. So it's kind of an interesting household. But yeah, interesting kind of that, that period of the 90s was like the halfway house between the kind of gritty, raw uh, hooliganism and the sort of rough pitches and the long ball football of the 80s. And a sort of, I guess, um, quite aesthetic, pure, stylish, glitterati, a sort of elite level of football we have now in the polished football in the Premier League and polished footballers. It's that kind of halfway house. There's other characters in the game. It wasn't quite the, um, the finished article that maybe it is now. Maybe it's going to go on. Who knows where, where football's going to go, particularly with COVID. But yeah, hope you like that. Footballers in the mind's eye. Just chatting to my friend Dan Kidd in the park. Can hopefully do a film on when we talk about various... 90s classics maybe late ones as well earlier ones i don't know uh see if you let me know if you do like that ed draper 
81 on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper 81 on Instagram. And you can also um, just uh, email me ed at eddraper.co.uk or say hello if you're in Cheltenham or London. And I see you uh, in my day job at Sky Sports as a broadcaster. Hope you're well. I hope things go well this week if you're a parent and your kids are going back to school. End of an era, really, isn't it? Six month era. So it's um, been an intriguing time in our lives. And hopefully things do start to or continue to progress back towards um, some sort of normality, I think, for everyone, particularly our, our kids. Remember the podcast sponsors, uh, Bang & Olufsen and Cheltenham. Big thank you to them for their continued support of the podcast around the corner from where I live, selling top-notch Bang & Olufsen equipment, but also through Serene AV, uh, able to kit out your home in whatever uh, is, is the right deal for you, the right equipment for your, for your home, whether it's a home entertainment system, monitors, that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, audio equipment's the big, the big uh, fulcrum of, of their work. My daughter's actually uh, just come out of her bedroom and is, is raspberrying my neck, so I don't think bedtime's gone too well. But I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And also uh, remember, cytoplan.co.uk. Hold on, so If you want 10% discount on the supplements, food-based supplements from Cytoplan, Draper10, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capitals, then one zero, get 10% off. Hope you're well. Hope you're gearing up for a return of football. Premier League's back not too far away, isn't it, as well, in these surreal times. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. Appreciate it. If you could rate the podcast on iTunes, if you rate it, uh, I would. And any feedback there as well, I do read. Thank you. Take it easy.